following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jess. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You know, life has a way of sometimes slipping up behind us and slapping us in the head. Sometimes it's a gentle slap, and other times it's not. I read about a man that was driving down the road and he passed a traffic camera and saw it flash. And it aggravated him because he had been caught speeding and he wasn't speeding. He was doing the speed limit. So he turned around and went by it again even slower and the camera flashed again. Now he's flabbergasted. So he turns around and at a snail's pace about five miles an hour, he passes the camera one more time. Again, he saw the camera flash and Then he guessed there must be a problem with the camera and he went home. Four weeks later, he received three traffic fines in the mail, all for not wearing a seatbelt. Life can be cruel. One man said, "I, I don't like music, I can't hum. And he said, when I was young, I always assumed I'd like I'd like carrots when I got older, but I never did. Then he said, if dogs could talk, it would take a lot of fun out of owning one of them. Isn't that true? I'm reading today from the book of Zechariah. My subject today is simply prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. That's what we are. Zechariah said, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations and his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. You know he's speaking about the Christ, don't you? God will save his people. And as for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare, I will restore double to you. Everybody say prisoners of hope. hope. Say, pastor, preach to me today. Let the word touch my mind. That it changed my mind. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me walk out of here a better person than what I was when I came in. You may be seated. Tell somebody, hey, beside you, let's go, let's have church. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Today, I speak on the four-letter word hope, H-O-P-E. I call hope the middle sister of faith and love, faith, hope, and charity. It is said a man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but not a second without hope. One man said it best when he said, hope is the oxygen of the soul. So when I read in Zechariah's passage, I remember 
an old Broadway musical called South Pacific. And a little girl named Nellie singing it so exuberantly from her heart, she sung this song, I'm stuck like a dope with this thing called hope and I can't get it out of my heart, not this heart. I like that song. I can see her response to the call of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. Not that I'm trying to mix Broadway with the Bible. But he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. This joyful image comes from a difficult and turbulent time in the history of Israel. This was 6th century B.C. In other words, folks, this was 600 years before the birth of of Jesus Christ. And after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, the people returned to Israel to find it spoiled and depleted, destruction everywhere. And so in the first half of the book of Zechariah's writing comes during a major renovation. They're trying to fix it, a building program to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem. Then in the second half, Zechariah delivers a word of joy-infested hope for the future. Anybody like hope preaching? He presents a vision of a coming Messiah when Israel will, will live in peace. And he sings a song of hope. He sings of radiant hope. He calls the people to reach into God's vision for the future. And he writes to a people who have just come out of 70 years as prisoners, prisoners of Babylon. And Zechariah now calls these people prisoners of hope. From Babylon to hope. For me, in this summer season, we are in Nellie and Zachariah's dance together. Stuck like a dope with a thing called hope and I can't get it out of my heart. Rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion. Sing aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. So I see Nellie and Zach doing a dance. They're all excited because both of them are talking about something we all need in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 says an unbeliever is one with no hope. Hope is a necessary thing for a believer. And if you don't have hope today, you need to find hope by believing that Jesus Christ can give hope. 1 Timothy 1 said our hope is based on Jesus Christ. Ephesians said we were born without hope and without God. But 1 Peter said we're born again to a lively hope. And Nellie and Zechariah Joyful dance has two movements. First one is looking back, and the second dancing forward with confidence in the future. So what I want to preach today is that real prisoners of hope live the present out of the past. Now I know sometimes you say, well, pastor, you say forget the past, walk away from the past. No, 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 no. Forget the defeats of yesterday. Bury them. Don't let the past defeats whip you in today's present victories is what I'm talking about. Don't let, a, don't let a missed putt on 17 cause you to miss a putt on 18, Jordan Spieth. That's what I'm talking about. So the bottom line is you can't let things in your past that have defeated you destroy what you're believing and seeing in your life today. Amen. But there's some things in the past we want to grab a hold of and bring to the future. Zechariah begins with the call to return. Return to your stronghold, O prisoner of hope. Look back and see what God has done and discover there your anchor and there's your stronghold. This may sound like an Advent message today. It's not meant to be, like I'm dealing with some Christmas season or something. It's not the case at all. 
But I think I need to preach about the birth of somebody here today that's very important. Luke's gospel begins the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And he begins it with uncomfortable and somewhat shocking phrase. He says it this way in Luke 1 and 5, in the days of King Herod. Now you know King Herod destroyed all the babies that were two and under. He killed them. That's why Jesus' parents had to flee to Egypt to get him out of Herod's wrath. So in our generation, it would be like saying in the days of Hitler, in the days of Saddam Hussein, in the days of bin Laden. Luke, the writer, plants the Jesus story in the context of real human time. In all of its ugliness and brutality, even in the days of Herod, and forever we live out that historic moment, we live the present out of the past. Because something happened one night in Bethlehem during the reign of Herod the Great that changed the whole world. You know what it was? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born. He was born. You need to clap your hands for that. And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He changed everything on this earth. He even changed the calendar from B.C. to A.D. He changed everything. Everything started going forward. Instead of looking back, we started looking forward. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened blind eyes. He unstopped the deaf ears. He made the lame walk again. He caused those that were mute to talk again. He did everything wonderful and great for us. He came to change us from one kind of people to another kind of people. But a historical moment of God's activity in human history, God made one move. He brought Jesus to this earth and it changed everything on this earth. Amen. Jesus is born. When I was a, when I was a junior in high school, <laughs> I joined a chess club in my school because I wanted to have aristoc aristocracy in me, you know, and drink my tea like this. And I'm teasing, folks, I'm teasing. But I wanted to learn how to play chess. I was challenged by the game of chess. Checkers was old school. And I joined a chess club, and I was really the only newcomer in the club. Most of them had been there three or four years. And I found out quickly that I had a great deal of learning to do to be a chess player, to be a quality opponent to anyone. And I never became Bobby Fisher, okay? But I wanted to get as good as I could as soon as possible, so I challenged, because I always loved it, I challenged the, <laughs> the instructor. I challenged the man who was the founder of the club. He taught people how to play chess. The problem was he was brilliant and quick-minded. Problem number two, I wasn't. And I always came in second. He beat me every time. You'll get that after a while. Today, I'm sure we would call him gifted, but back then he was just smart. He understood the game of chess. He could see what was happening in the game, and he always knew that at a time would come in that game that one strategic move would be made, and he usually made it. If I made it, it was an accident. <laughs> and that instructor knew that at that moment, the moment he made that one move, the game was officially over. It was over. Now, we might go on playing 15, 30, 45 more minutes, and he's over there suppressing a grin, and I was over here sweating it out, and he would play out the rest of the move based on that one move. The game had already been won in his mind, and that made me feel bad then, 
but great today. Because I'm preaching about the gospel says that one strategic move of human history has made, been made in and by Jesus Christ. He came to redeem us. The redemption plan is complete. He lived 33 and a half years. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose the third day. He ascended into heaven. And I'll finish the rest of the story in a little bit. But Jesus came and changed all the world because of one move. Bethlehem had a baby born one night in the middle of problems. Though we still have to finish the game with battles won and lost along the way, that one divine move, folks, that one moment in time has shaped the future and we live the present out of the past. Return to your stronghold, O prisoner of hope. David said, I will trust in God for my hope is in him. Put that on your refrigerator. And the second thing, we live the present in light of the future. Amen. To be a prisoner of hope means living with the future in mind, living the future into the present. Again, my instructor, I got to talk about him, he was brilliant, could play out the chess game with such calm because he knew while I was bouncing around on the board, he knew where it was all going to come out and how it was going to come out, and he made every intervening move in the light of that future. Zachariah in the middle of the complicated and conflicted reality of his turbulent times. Zechariah had an eye on the future. He saw Christ coming. Folks, 600 years before Jesus was even born, he said he's coming on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's gonna ride into a city. Can you imagine a man 600 years before Christ comes seeing the future and all that was going to happen to Israel between the time? But Zechariah lived as a prisoner, not of this present reality, but as a prisoner of hope. Can I declare, I'd love to take the shackles off of your arms and your hands today of what's trying to bind you here on this earth, and I'd like to open up a brand new prison house called a prisoner of hope today. I'd like for everybody to join that crowd today and say, I will be a prisoner of hope because Christ is born. Yes, and because he's coming again. I don't care what atheist, what agnostic you see on the highway of life and what they all say to you, understand this, there's a Christ that was born There's a Christ that lived and died, was buried and rose again and ascended. And there's a Christ that's coming back to get us. Oh, celebrate with me, prisoners of hope. Let's dance a little bit. I'm stuck like a dope on a thing called hope and I can't get it out of my heart. That's what it's all about. Another song from that musical. I'm preaching a musical today. Says you gotta have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how you gonna make that dream come true? How many of you are dreaming of the fact that God's got something better for you? Come on now. To be a prisoner of the birth of Christ is to live with vision. He's born. He's coming again. That's our hope. It's a dream. We must allow that future to shape our present. To be a prisoner of hope means investing ourselves in lives in many ways that will make that future hope a reality. So today, I'm not Johnny Appleseed. I'm Rex Hopeseed. And I want to spread some hope seed on you today. 
I want to put it in your garden. I want to put it in your life. I want to put it in your future. I want to put it in your past. I want to put it everywhere I can put it. I want you to grab a hold of hope today and say, I may not have walked in here this way, but I'm going to leave here today a prisoner of hope. I'm going to be a prisoner of hope today. Amen. Amen. I had, a, I had a family walk into the church not long ago, and it was so precious. I hugged them. They were just exuberant. And they both hugged me, choked me a little. Some people hug hard. I'm having fun. It's summer, folks. Let me have fun. Fall's coming. I can't have fun in the fall. Hey, because Texas plays every Saturday. <laughs> I wanted to give you a reason, okay? Help us. Mr. Sarkeesian, help us all right in there. But they walked in the church door and, and they hugged me and I said, I'm so happy to see y'all happy about being here. And they said, Pastor, we're addicted to this place. I said, addicted? I, I, I thought addiction was a bad thing. I said, we're addicted to this place. We love this place. We love the house. We love the people. We love, we love, we love the praise. We love the prayer. We love the music. And they left the last for me. He said, we like your preaching. <laughs> and I didn't have to have that because everybody we put up here is a great preacher. Pastor Brad can throw it down and Pastor Phil can throw it down. We have great preachers. But I, I, I took that word and I said, I hope that word's in the Bible. I hope it's in the Bible. So I went to the old King James and I found it one time one time, 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Steph Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they are addicted, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Hey, hey, if you're going to have an addiction, get out of that bad stuff and get into being addicted in hope in Jesus Christ. Come on now. Let's get addicted to the ministry of of people. One of my favorite pieces of public art is in Georgia. There's a, a, a memorial. It's, 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 it's hard to find. It's around back of, of a bigger memorial. And the statue is a young soldier without shirt or shoes, pants tattered and torn. And he holds high a broken sword. And the caption reads this, and I love this. Don't forget this caption. Men who saw night coming down about them were somehow able to act as if they stood at the edge of dawn because they were prisoners of hope. It's what it means to be a prisoner of hope. It means to live as a prisoner of advent. Jesus is born. He came and he's coming again. And every time we gather at the table of the Lord, worship our God, we not only look back at what he did in the past, but what he will do for us in the future. Here's some, here's some refrigerator material for you. I've, I've read there are four distinctive marks of a true Christian. Number one is a tranquil mind. Number two, if you don't take a picture of this, you can, is an unquenchable joy. Number three is outgoing love. And number four is an irrepressible sense of victory. Of victory. Amen. Stuck like a dope with a thing called hope. Rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion. Return to your strongholds, old prisoners of hope. Doctor came in one day and told the parents and the grandparents that the little boy was not going to live. His aunt, his grandparents started giving him anything he wanted. And then it was his birthday and 
He said, I had dreams, I had hopes, I had ambitions, I was running out of hope. On his ninth birthday, they gave him ice cream and cake and candles and balloons and books and all for a bedridden child. But then Uncle Bob came. Anybody got an Uncle Bob in your life? Kind of that outlaw? Kind of the guy that don't smell just right? Oh, I'm the only one? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I see, I got a crowd here today that don't want to tell the truth. Somebody that you kind of, you know, oh God, he's coming, oh Jesus. Or she's coming, that old scoundrel uncle that didn't smell good. And he walked in and said, where's my birthday boy? Where's my buddy? And so Uncle Bob sat right next to Joseph, the little boy in the bed, and shoved a box in his face and said, happy birthday, son. And opening it up, Joseph began to cry, cry hard. And the grandpa moved over toward Bob with incredible speed and he said, how silly, how silly you are, how insensitive. And Joseph cried even more. And then Joseph pulled up a pair of ball-bearing roller skates, the only gift he received for when he would get well. Someone believed he would live. Hallelujah. I got news for you today, Austin. This church isn't going under. It's going over. Amen. I got news for you today. Man didn't build this church. Jesus built this church. He said, upon this rock I will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I'm riding the current. I didn't build it, but I love the one that did. He's the architect, he's the builder, and he shed his blood for it. Somebody say amen to that. I'm a prisoner of hope. See, there's two things that God can do. God does for us what we're unable to do for ourselves. God can walk through doors instead of unlocking them. That's a powerful image. We lock ourselves in, but that doesn't mean we can forever keep Jesus out. So you shut off a hint of trouble in your marriage. That's okay. Jesus is going to enter that situation anyway. You're fearful for your job security and haven't shared this with anyone. That's okay. Jesus is going to enter your workplace because he's Jesus. So you're in a period of family crisis. Jesus will enter anyway. We have unanswered questions. That's okay. Christ will enter anyway. This is an isolated incident. Christ moves through whatever walls we have built our doors we close, our shades we draw because he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The second thing is he does for us what others can't do for us. Many of you know I like to read. I'm a reader. When I get away, I love reading. I don't have a lot of time for just leisure reading now. Most of it is spiritual reading. But I do read. John Irvin had a novel called The Hotel New Hampshire. And a young lady in that, in that novel was molested. And the family comes to seek to minister to her in her suffering, but she locks herself in the bathroom. And the brother calls to her through the bathroom door, through the little hole in the door, and said, is there anything he could get for her? And she said, and I quote, here's what she said to him, just go out and get me yesterday and most of today. I want them back. Jesus can do that. We can't. He can. We can't. He can. We can't. He can. 
James Stockstill is a picture of hope. Here he is. I like him and he don't even know I know him. <laughs> you may remember him, some of you older ones. He was shot down in North Vietnam Army on September the 9th, 1965. And he spent seven and a half years in the infamous Hanoi Hilton. And he admits that something gripped him early in his captivity. And I want you to hear him. I want you to hear his words. He said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. I wouldn't trade the seven and a half years just finding out I'm gonna be out of here one day. Listen to me, people. I'm preaching hope to you. I got some more seeds in my pocket. I'm throwing some hope at you today. You're not gonna stay in that situation forever because there's hope waiting for you right now. Hope in God. Have faith in God. Trust in God. Believe in God. Count on the Lord. Amen. Hope says this thing is gonna have a good ending. It's gonna have a good ending. I introduced him a while ago, but let me talk about him again. His name is Pastor Kelly Howard. And, uh, yeah. Seven or so weeks ago, maybe eight now, seven I think, weeks ago, he was coming to church on his motorcycle that he had just purchased on a Thursday. But he didn't have a motorcycle wreck. He parked his motorcycle because somebody told him he needed to run out of gas and get all that gas out and put new gas in the tank because it was an older bike. So he ran out coming to church. He had just made a few steps from his bike and he got hit by a hit and run driver. They hit him, hit him hard, knocked him into a wall out by Onion Creek coming in on 35. And when the paramedics got to him, even though a nurse had been there to assist him, paramedics got there, they didn't give him much hope to live. See, there was three of those in the same week and the other two, three hit and runs on that same, in that same, same road, two of them had died and they thought he was gonna be the third mortality. But God, they took him, they took him, they took him to St. David, he had a fabulous surgeon, a wonderful lady, and one day she's gonna come and visit us because she fell in love with Kelly and Debbie Howard because of their faith and hope in God. Amen. You folks, you folks are, y'all making me feel so good loving this hope message today. And, 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 and Kelly made it. I remember seeing him walk when he had these, these lifts under his arm when they had him they had him just dangling and he was trying to move his feet. His right leg didn't want to answer the call of his brain. And he stumbled and he staggered and he fell down one time and hurt himself real bad again in the hospital. But he kept fighting, he kept coming because his hope was not in anything but Jesus. Jesus, he's a prisoner of hope. Prisoner of hope. And Debbie used to come to the office. She works for us in our front office and she used to come to the office. She said, Pastor, God didn't save him from death so he would not be all the way whole. God's gonna make him whole. And you know what? He's still in the journey now, 
But I promise you, he knows things that you don't remember. He knows stuff that you don't know. His mind is getting back so sharp. His, his, his walking is still maybe a little halted, but not where it was a long time ago. But what I'm telling you, folks, this is the reason I preach prisoner of hope. Because everything that happens like that, many people thought, and they came to me and said, Pastor, what's happening in our church? What's going on? The devil's attacking. Oh, yeah. But, but, we're not prisoners of Babylon. We're prisoners of hope. We're not prisoners of Babylon. We're prisoners of hope. And Kelly Howard is in the house. Pastor Kelly, can you stand up and wave at everybody? There's a prisoner of hope right there. There he is. Yes! Brother Randy, come on and help me. I got, I got to shut this down. You folks are killing me. I'm in love with this thing called hope. There's two basic attitudes toward life. One of hope and one of dread. One of trust and the other of fear. One of optimism and one of gloom. Two things I know for a fact. God is for me. Satan is against me. Therefore, I get to cast the deciding vote. The question is, am I for me? Do I believe? that I can walk through this world, reach into my past to see that single move at Bethlehem, or reaching toward a future to see a Christ coming in the clouds. Am I a prisoner of hope today? Everybody that is, clap your hands above your head and say amen to that. Romans 4 and 18, Paul said, Abraham against hope believed in hope. The book says hope is the anchor of our soul. It's our comfort. In this sense, faith is what we know. Hope is what we feel. Faith is a condition of the mind. Hope is a condition of the heart. Therefore, hope is restored more through our emotions than our intellect. So when you come to the house of the Lord, you might ought to get your hands together. You might ought to sing with the songs. You might ought to amen with the preaching. You might ought to let your life for one hour be turned around and get to feeling the real emotions of what emotion's all about. It's not about when your son or your daughter does something great or the Olympics when America beats the rest of the world. No, no, no. The emotion was given to us by a God that seeks our fellowship and our love back to him. And when we're prisoners of hope and realize that we're not in Babylon anymore, we're headed to a city that has a foundation, it gives us hope to believe that everything is gonna be all right. It's kinda of like, kind of like that old boy in Tennessee went up to a, a man that just was elected to state representative and he walked up to him and in his backwoods way, he slapped him on the back and he said, if I'd known you was gonna win, I'd have voted for you. <laughs> Listen, Jesus ain't running for office. 
you better know he's going to win. And the church is going to triumph. And we're going to get out of here one day. So everybody say tranquil mind. Everybody say unquenchable joy. Everybody say outgoing love. And an irrepressible sense of victory. Say Jesus is alive. No situation is untransfigurable. Say that three times. With God's grace, with God's grace, with God's grace. A soldier was dying one day on the battlefield. He said, when you find my wife, tell her I had the joy of knowing before I died that the war was won. You hear me? You are in a winning place today. Not because I pastor it, not because this building houses it, but because it's the church. You're here on a winning note. Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath once said, I love it. He said, when you win, nothing hurts. When you lose, everything hurts. Stand to your feet all over the building. We're going to do something today to dismiss. Thank you for your hour and five minutes. Thank you for your time with us on Sunday. Tonight at 6 p.m., my life group meets for the third week of four. Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about it unplugged. And that's tonight. But this is now. And in the middle of summer, I'd like for you to do this as a sign of surrender, either this way if you want to, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, this way's fine. Just lift your hands, just lift your hands up, and we're gonna sing together, we're gonna sing together. Because Nellie and Zachariah sang together, we're gonna sing together. Let's go, let's go on a journey with Jesus, how about it, huh? Let's let Jesus in our life. Let's let Jesus rule our house. Let's let Jesus compass us to a beautiful future. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for this crowd, this beautiful people today, and I love them, and they know that. And I love preaching to them, and they know that. But thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for it. God, we, those that's coming back to the life group tonight, we're gonna have a wonderful time. But Jesus, bless this congregation, and let this Sunday morning push them into a week of beauty and trust and hope and faith. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Sing us out of here, kids. I love y'all. Have a great day. See you Wednesday night. See you Wednesday night. Here we go.